And welcome to a new episode of PR360, and I'm your host, Brett Deister, and as always, if you could please subscribe to PR360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and leave a review, that would greatly appreciate it. And with me, I have Karen Sorensen, and she is part of Global Results Communication, and she is a person that you should actually really listen to because she actually is pretty knowledgeable in MarTech, FinTech, if you don't know financial tech, marketing tech, if you don't know the little slangs. She also has a wide range of working with clients from B2B and B2C and consumer electronics and apps. And she's done everything from media outreach, awards, speaking opportunities for clients, and so much more. So welcome to the show, Karen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And as my first question is always to my guest is, are you a coffee or tea drinker? So this actually might be hard to believe, but I've never had a cup of coffee in my life. And I only drink tea when I have a sore throat or need to fall asleep or something like that. But I'm not above having a Diet Coke in the morning. So there's that. Well, believe it or not, I didn't start drinking coffee until I was about 25. So, <laughs> so it took me a while too. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know that I ever will, but for now, I can still say I never had a cup of coffee. That is pretty much an accomplishment right now because everybody's like <laughs> either caffeinated with tea or coffee. Sure. <laughs> I guess my vice is the Diet Coke. Ah, okay. I mean, we all have our little vices that we do, so. Sure. <laughs> but anyways, moving on to fintech and people don't really understand what fintech really is. So can you give a brief explanation about that? Right. So as you mentioned, it's a portmanteau. So it's two words blended together, financial technology. So it's within the realm that is quite a large umbrella. More specifically and more recently, it's that fintech that's kind of a disruptor, most of the time it is, that improves or automates or is intelligent or it just delivers use and accessibility to financial services that wasn't there before. So you can look at the evolution of fintech. I mean, even the first credit card is a fintech. Or when you went to electronic trading back in the 70s, or we have the online banking and PayPal in the 90s. And then as you get into the 2000s, you're looking at Bitcoins and Venmo and other startups that change the pace of how you get uh, loan applications, mortgages, stock trading. So all those things are under that umbrella of fintech that utilizes different feature services and are accessible to both businesses and consumers to better manage their finances. So what I'm hearing is for, at least for the consumer side is that people probably been using this for a while. They just didn't know it was FinTech. Right, right, exactly. And how is the messaging differed from B2B to B2C for FinTech? Because there has to be two different strategies because businesses use it a little bit differently than what consumers use it for. Oh, definitely. Consumers are much more, first and foremost, when it comes to fintech, you want mobility, access anywhere, access 24-7, taking your banking, your savings, your mortgage, taking that all with you wherever you go. So obviously, having the interfaces, the apps, everything accessible through a mobile app is essential when it comes to the consumer. They're constantly on the go, and they just want to know, and more than checking the balances, but how am I doing on my financial journey? How is my retirement? Everything that it has to be on the go and it has to be instantaneous and it has to be real time. And so that's definitely something that's going to be focused on as you're crafting your messaging, the benefit and add value 
that is to the consumer. The user interface is definitely important as well, but because you want it intuitive and you want it streamlined, you want it so it's not cumbersome as or they can't figure out how to check a balance, right? You All that needs to be absolutely streamlined. Whereas the business tends to be, you have your set time, right? That you're, you typically are quote at work. That time might be expanded or uh, uh, vary for startups as bootstrapping things and having meetings here and there and getting funding and all that kind of stuff that goes along with startups. And so for businesses, it's much more of the, how is it going to make my use of time? Is it going to speed up things? Is, are things automated? Do one platform or one app works with another so that I can better manage all these things? You know, my payroll, my accounts payable, uh, accounts receivable. Uh, and then how am I doing on my savings and business planning for the future, right? So there's just different add-ons that consumers care way more about than a business and business has to depend so much on these other features and attributes of FinTech and then the apps available. And so it's just important to know, one, what is the FinTech? What is the startup? What is the offering for? Ultimately, is the end user, the customer? Is it really for Intuit or checkbooks or things like that for businesses. And so really differentiating what the ad value is for each party. Some will overlap, sure, because you need intuitive and streamlined interfaces for both. But the usability and when and where they're being used is going to differ significantly. But yeah, just seeing what the ad value is. And like I said, there's so many apps and varied about that as far as going into lending, finance, payments, investments, uh, crowdfunding even, and then just your typical consumer banking, right, that we all do, are all have a play with the consumer and the business side of things. And so really, I mean, like with all PR, you really have to focus in and realize what am I offering to each party and crafting the message around that. If it is the interface, if it is the savings, right, this platform will be able to help you save because it automatically takes a certain percentage off and without you even knowing it, right? You're saving money versus some other maybe service add-ons that you can have. But yeah, they definitely would vary. And you just have to make sure you're targeting those and addressing those issues because they are there to disrupt and to offer more and to enhance the whole experience of your financial journey. Mm. And so from what I hear, like B2B actually means efficiency and just ease of mm-hmm. use oh, yeah. also as well, but also B2C is more about instant gratification and making sure my money is there when I want it to be there, basically. A hundred percent. Yeah. Especially with the startups that larger companies, they might be able to spend a little bit more, but when you're a startup and you're buying for funding and things like that, you want to make sure the products and tools you do use are efficient, saving you money and saving you time. If you don't have an HR person or an accountant or something or someone to take those roles on, but you have a software that does it and does it efficiently and does it automated and intelligently automated, then that's going to save you so much in the long run. That is well worth whatever the buy-in might be. Of course, there's some cost analysis that might need to happen. But yeah, ultimately, we want to know in the moment versus this kind of set planned out. How is it going to save me time that businesses need? And when we're talking about fintech, has it more democratized how we bank, invest, finance, and all these other stuff? Is it making it more of democratizing everything? Oh, definitely. For at least the financial side of it. Scenes from Mary Poppins, the, the bank scenes, right? Where it's this big, scary marble hall. Those are long gone. 
of the, the scary banking and things like that, where everything is brought much more to the consumer, much more to the end user, be it consumer or business. Where applying for a car loan, business loan, mortgage, refinancing those loans are all far more accessible and more easily managed now than they have ever been before. So they're still usually tied to a big bank and some of these new neo banks or um, all digital banks, the services are still there. Some of the bigger, more traditional banks have been forced to adopt some of these new services. Some of them were early adapters, but no matter where you're banking with or where your money is, they're all bringing it closer to the end user. And then these other apps of now I almost don't need a more traditional bank because I don't need a deposit check because I can, whoever writes checks, I can deposit through mobile, right? Take a picture of the front and back and I have my money. Um, or so I don't need the ATM. I don't need to get cash back because I can pay friends back or get paid back by Venmo or some similar app, right? So it all makes it much more manageable on the end user level and far easier to handle all that now than it ever has before. And speaking more about the traditional banks and everything, how are they mm-hmm. trying to pivot and or at least keep up with all the new banking startups or finance startups? How <laughs> and there are a lot, yeah. Yeah. How are <laughs> how are they messaging that we're still hip cool or we understand that you want stuff right now, we don't want to go to the yes. ATM and stuff, especially during this time. How are they messaging that effectively? Um, well, it is interesting because, I mean, definitely during that pandemic where certain states were affected more severely than others, but when the state was on a full lockdown, you weren't even able to really deposit any checks because you can't go in and talk to your teller and get banks. So especially businesses were affected because they're getting paid by their client, but they can't actually deposit checks because they bank with a traditional bank. The mobile deposit only goes up to 1000 or 5000 depending on the bank. So if you have these large checks coming in from clients or something, it was very hard to manage and to have that interaction with the bank you needed so that you could have your money in your account. And so the the pandemic has definitely kind of out of urgency and a necessity has made that shift so that forcing these more traditional banks to, to step up. And so definitely, yes, during these times, it takes adopting of these services. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt and say they were already in the works. Probably not, (laughs) but a lot of these neo banks, the new banks, the all digital banks have partnerships or even been bought out as a a subsidy of a larger bank. So it's more easily adopted, but um, we've definitely seen a rise of those digital deposits, the mobile deposits. We've seen a rise of other services as far as checking your credit score or checking on your loan or managing your loans all through the app. Um, and even refinancing, where that used to be go inside the bank, have a conversation, and they come and give you an offer and all that. It's much more it's shorter time frame for sure and streamlined. And then we also see, I mean, I can think of a few commercials I've seen on these more traditional banks that Capital One being one of them, not to call out any particular ones, but they have commercials and boasting of having these branches now that they didn't used to have before. And so you kind of get a swing of some people are wanting the more traditional, but I think moving forward, we're going to see much more of the the branchless banks because the need for them aren't as strong as they used to be where we have a Wells Fargo and a Chase and a BFA on three different corners of an intersection. I think those days will be slipping by 
as we go to more digital currency, digital transactions, um, and both large and the neo banks, the traditional and the neo, are are making that switch and making it far more easier for the end user. Mm-hmm. And speaking of more of the B two B side of it, how can startups mm-hmm. actually message that or differentiate themselves from the various other tools, softwares that are out there? Because, for example, I use QuickBooks Freelancer for freelancing mm-hmm. because it's well my invoicing, my accounting, my taxes, everything that I don't have to figure out because that would just take too much time and I'd probably pull my hair out. Exactly. Mm-hmm. How can <laughs> like the smaller ones like go up, differentiate against the QuickBooks or something like that? Again, I think it's just making sure you understand just because you're fintech and you can do something doesn't mean anyone's going to care about it, right? So if you are that startup and you have even if it's for, you know, like you said, for a niche market of freelancers, right? There's still people that are going to offer something more for them, even albeit smaller than just general small business or what have you, and touting that and emphasizing the benefits, right? Because I'm there with you. I don't have to worry about every single thing for taxes and I can just enter things in and then I get this end report of everything that I need to know of how taxes and and incoming payments and what I'm expecting and planning out my order. I think those are going to be the, what we lean on as far as when we do our outreach, right? Knowing the publications and the, the audience and where those people are living, their ecosystem, right? So hitting not just as far as outlet outreach and pitching media stories on, I have this great FinTech product, but really just honing in and targeting where your audience lives. So if it's freelancers, then understanding their industry, understanding their needs and those pain points that are are there and understanding your client well enough to know how they're disrupting and making everything better, easier, more streamlined. And so it doesn't have to be super technical because a lot of times, I mean, if you're a freelancer, you're doing something that's probably not technical. I mean, there are the engineers out there that are freelancers, but for the most part, I mean, doing art or graphics or something like that, where that's not my strong suit. What am I supposed to do? And so really being able to explain it so that they get, they see the value, which I think is where our PR practitioners come in because we have the entrepreneur who's created this whole thing. That's very technical, very, as far as how it is secure, how you can trust it, how you can do this or that, or the other thing. And then breaking that down so that the graphic designer could understand how to manage their business better, right? So it takes us to like to understand the offerings and to break it down to digestible sound bites, even so that the end user would be like, yeah, that is something that totally fills in these pain points, really helps me out, and I need this, right? That's ultimately what we love for all of our clients and all of the all the stories we're pitching. And so with that, just takes a lot of understanding of the industry that you're in. And when we're talking about that, it's basically how do you figure out the pain points? Because you could have a disruptor and it just doesn't disrupt anything. Yeah, we've seen that, right? <laughs> it's barely a blip on the radar. And so you have to compare it to what's out there, right? If it's basically the same but has a prettier color palette, okay, that's not really going to disrupt. But you need to really break down and I mean, there's market research out there. There's tons of firms seeking out and co and does the research. 
set us with a price point, right, attached to all research, but doing your own and just kind of seeing what is out there and how, if there's client stories that end users that you're already dealing with, your client that's created it, and then their client of a client that you can talk to of how it's helped them, how it's encouraged them to better manage their financial journey. But yeah, finding those pain points, it could differ for every group and subgroup for the the industry of the entrepreneur or the industry of the freelancer or the larger mid-size or even larger. There's offerings there and they would definitely be different for each one. We mentioned that with freelancers, even young startups, time is crucial because you want to spend your time what is making you money. And so that's that's a huge pain point, right? And that's a pretty obvious one. And then you have your mid-size, which you have a lot of employees to manage, right? Mid-size to larger when you have payroll to consider and accounts payable and receivable, right? And so I we've seen those companies that are in the teen years, mid-size, but still struggle to manage accounts receivable and payable, right? Because they still don't have all that personnel of the HR and the accounting and everything else that helps support. And so it's still kind of being done by a, an operations manager that is a catch-all or what have you, right? So it depends on the, the size to kind of who this would help most. And if it helps multiple, then there's different messaging that you would create for each kind of avenue that you would pursue. But yeah, it, some of those pain points are tricky to identify that you don't necessarily know how... <laughs> It's going to help. It's just a great platform. Well, there's a lot of great platforms out there. So the only differentiating is how it's solving these problems because otherwise they're going to be this unicorn that's not at all a unicorn and no one's going to remember them in six months. And so it, it can be tricky, but those figuring out how it's just better than a great platform or a great app, but the other incentive, does it save me money? Does it save me time? Is it just makes my life headache free when it comes to payroll every other week. Things like that are crucial when you're crafting that messaging. So it's almost like what you said, figuring out the financial journey of wherever you're going to be niching yourself in the beginning and then either trying to find programs that do it and try to find like free trials and going, okay, how is this better than what Mm -hmm. we're doing? So basically like it's almost what you're telling me is testing and then at least trying to put yourself into the mindset of whoever you're trying to market to. Finding out what they are missing or what is missing from the industry, right? It might just be, it's not well enough known, but it's out there. It might be that it doesn't exist yet. And so finding out what is lacking on the the low, the base level of the end user, either consumer or business, and then filling in that gap. And what do you think is next for FinTech? And how do you think PR pros working in this space can message for the next generation of fintech? I think just by what my experience in this space and what's happening, I think we'll much see a more streamline of different programs, different SaaS options and services that talk to each other. So this intelligent, automated programming so that I don't, I might get an alert that like payroll is going to go out, but I don't have to do anything about it, right? It's a set, um, it's it's going to be automated and make my life that much easier. I think we'll see much more of that, bringing out together where these financial services come to one kind of hub or platform. And with that, which is quite a big topic now, is open sourcing technology so that the underlying structure of it allows these 
programs to talk to each other. I think that'll be a huge addition that we'll see. And, I, and we're already starting to see it with things and just like financial services being integrated into everything. We've already seen it with Facebook, right? Apple Pay, Amazon starting to do it. And with Android has their pay too and Samsung, right? We're already seeing these things come what used to be, you know, your cash register at the end of the day for business, what they're seeing um, this more fluid integration of all these services um, of how they, you know, take a, an order, right? If it's a restaurant or a bakery or something like that, how they can use the Apple pay or, or something similar that goes into their bank account and payroll, right? So it all kind of streamlines and is linked together, even though they're separate apps or services or platforms. We'll see more things embedded with non-financial products that we've seen already. But what we can do as far as messaging, ultimately, we want, we need to help businesses realize how this is going to help their business, either they themselves or help them help their customers. If it's a bakery, if it's a graphic design firm or some freelancer doing work, helping them craft a product and a messaging that will ease everyone, right? Because finances are so important, right? We're planning for our retirement. We're planning for future trips or families or homes or whatever it is, right? Most everyone will have a financial goal and a journey to get there. And so just making sure that we can help these developers and these entrepreneurs of building these new fintech services to get people to where they want ultimately. And, and a huge factor in all of this is trust, right? And when it comes to banking, when it comes to uh, any kind of, you know, you put your credit card information into your Uber app because you trust it. And we have seen breaches and those are scary, right? Identity theft is not fun for anyone. And so trust is going to be a huge underlying theme when it comes to these financial services, these fintech services where we we know that we can put in our information and we're not going to lose all of our retirement because of it or something to that end, right? That's worst case scenario for sure. But we'll see definitely more secure, more trustworthy built to be secure as opposed to an after effect of we built this platform and then we put a firewall so now it's secure as opposed to building it so it's much more secure and then adding a firewall, right? And so the actual infrastructure of how this app or platform is built is trusted, secured, so that users will have that peace of mind when using it on this journey of building their credit, building their retirement, or whatever it might be. And I definitely think we'll see, I mean, we already have with the breaches that have happened, but we'll definitely see more of a focus on what makes this secure, what makes this trustworthy as an end user for a business or a consumer. Um, because that's what's going to get me to buy in, right? I, I'm not going to change banks just because I want to make sure that my money is safe, that my information is safe. And that will, as these things kind of get integrated, that's going to be forefront in how these apps and platforms are built. Mm -hmm. And what do you think about like virtual banking assistance? Do you think that will eventually have a rise since we do love our series and Alexas and everything else, but I haven't really seen banking do that quite yet. Do you think that there will eventually be a rise since most people will be going less to the banks? I personally, I'm a little bit more hesitant with that just because as far as security goes, I could see lower level things like there's been a change in your bank account, right? Not to divulge information or things like that through Siri or through Alexa. 
just because the voice has, it's not as secure as facial or retina or fingerprint recognition that has been incorporated so far. It's a little less secure and it doesn't necessarily, anyone can talk to it, right? It is, the voice recognition isn't quite there to make sure this is Karen talking to the phone to get my balance or to make a transaction or to do what I need to do. It works fine when you're talking to Alexa to order more paper towels, right? But when it comes to banking and finances, I just don't think that the voice recognition, the voice commands are quite there to deal with things having to do with my finances. Yeah, obviously, it'd probably be something like you have to be at your home network to actually access the voice assistant. Yeah, exactly. Some parameters that would ensure that it is who it's supposed to be, which there, again, doesn't offer anywhere I can access 24-7 instant gratification, as we call it, like I would want necessarily. But it might be nice as, uh, you know, I am at home. I am at my personal network. I can trust and I know it's secure then that might be a factor. But there would definitely need to be that secondary authentication to guarantee that it's who it's supposed to be. Then we might start seeing things come about a little bit more. But for now, I think it'll stick to the biometrics of the retina, face, thumbprint, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And fun question for you. You could create any startup in marketing tech or MarTech and FinTech. What industry would you choose? (laughs) This is tricky because I think there's a lot of value in all of them. Tech is, I think, just so incredibly cool. And the trajectory of it is just going to be phenomenal. Um, But if I had to choose, it would definitely be FinTech. I honestly think one of my favorite apps is Venmo because I notoriously never have cash on me and always have been that way. And so like, oh, when I'm at the grocery store next, I'll get out cash and I'll pay you back. And so I think with FinTech, even though it's, I just think there's more uses for it. I think with the end user for businesses, there's more user-based, customer-based, and more ways to help people, especially as there's, I think, I've been a change in focus to retirement. People are living longer and you need to plan for that. And so finances are just crucial, I think, as we move along and things get more secure and more trusted. I mean, even my 83-year-old dad, everything is online banking for him. still has a checkbook, but rarely uses it. He does every stock trading, everything has been moved online and he's 83 years old, right? So that user, you have the the teen who's just learning how to use credit, learning how to make savings and things like that. So my 83-year-old dad who is managing his stock portfolio online. And so I think with FinTech, we'll just see this expansion of how to really manage your life and money wherever and whenever you please, be it business or consumer. Hmm. And any final thoughts for our listeners? Use it. Find an app that works. I mean, there's a lot out there. So there's got to be different versions and different incentives. But having worked with FinTech for quite a while, it's very cool to see what is now available and what we can see shortly be just past that the fog, right? Just what's next is going to be absolutely fantastic. And it's a better, smarter way to manage uh, your money. Like I said, there's a ton out there. And if whatever your goals are, there's going to be an, a, a FinTech platform app service that will work and get you to where you ultimately want to be, which is financially secure and can eventually retire comfortably, right? That's all of our goals. But there's a lot of FinTech opportunity for growth personally and as industry. 
I mean, it's a multi, multi billion dollar industry that's just going to keep growing. All right. Thank you, Karen, for joining us on PR 360 this week. Uh, No, it's my pleasure. Thank you. And thank you for listening. As always, please subscribe to PR 360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. And join us next week as we talk to another great thought leader in the PR industry. All right, guys, stay safe. Have fun. See you next week. Later.